Coming up on this episode of Raisin Bread Talk, Baz and Derek speak with Simon Jones, a very successful chap. He is a crypto entrepreneur and CEO of Bax, spelt B-A-A-X. They discuss all things crypto and new age finance, sparing no detail, really delving into the technical side of things. And they also try and answer a question that's been on many lips. What is a Notting Hill and why is it different from other hills? Among other things, of course. Enjoy. So first thing uh, I wanted to ask you was, Earl, first give us your name, uh, full name, Simon Simon Jones. Cav. It's not Cav uh, Jones? Simon Jones, yeah, is my actual name. Um, that's just a bit of my surname. I just use that on social sometimes so people can't find me. Oh, cool. Well, I'm glad that you just said it on this podcast. So now everybody knows how to find you. Uh, Welcome to Raisin Bread, Simon. Definitely not Cav Jones. Uh, Welcome to Raisin Bread, everybody. This is Basil. As you'll notice, Ben is not in today. Instead, we've got the beautiful, um, uh, some might even say celestial, Derek Smith joining us today. Hello, everybody. (laughs) (laughs) Thanks for being back. Glad to be back. I am so happy to have you here, Derek. You have no idea. Uh, If you guys don't know much, uh, Derek is an amazing comedian. Um, He's going to be helping me co-host for a little while 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 Ben's away. Uh, And with that said, welcome to the show, Simon. Uh, Simon, this is how I explained you to the the entire team. Um, I said, "Uh, some wealthy crypto dude that gets really good seats at boxing matches. That's all I know. <laughs> That's all I know about this guy. I, oh, I, I think he had dinner with Katie. I think he had dinner with Katie Perry once. I wasn't really sure. That's it. That's all I know um, about this guy. I so. did have to Katie Perry in the, in the Bahamas at Crypto Bahamas, the now infamous Crypto Bahamas organized by a certain fuzzy haired guy. Yeah. Which fuzzy haired guy? Simon, uh, I think his first name was Sam from memory. Uh, Sam, <laughs> yeah. interesting. Yeah, if you come across him, you might have read a little bit about him. A successful crypto entrepreneur. Is he into fried? Still successful. <laughs> <laughs> right. He's, That's a good. Um, I mean, he's, he's certainly been spending a lot of time with the authorities recently. Yeah. You know, did so. you Did you meet him? What was that? Were you there? Like, were you, was he there? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I've met Sam a couple of times. Um, uh, strange guy. You know, like, um, I would describe him as, you know, it's going to be a boy, like, they're just so different to a normal person. And you kind of attribute that as probably part of their kind of, you know, autistic math genius or something. <laughs> but in reality, it turned out that he was just a crook. Um, <laughs> and it was a front. Um, but now I've, I've met Sam a few times. I've spoken to Sam a few times on calls and stuff. So yeah, um, wouldn't, wouldn't necessarily claim him as one of my closest right now, but um, I certainly have. <laughs> you guys, are you saying you're you're not close? Is that what, why would you even say that? Uh, I have no idea why you would take that position at all. Uh, no, that makes that makes total sense. I'm, I mean, what, I I hear that a lot from a lot of people. Pe- people are like, "Oh, well, I just thought he was autistic, so it's fine." Uh, 
but was is he really do you really think he's it's like suffers from some sort of social i mean he's an mit kid well where did you go to school you're you're an oxbridge guy right no i was at lc um at school of economics same thing you know what i mean all you all y'all are weirdos right like if i go to cambridge it's mostly weirdos if i go to the math department anyways so yeah, so you got you probably were like oh yeah i'm very comfortable here i know what this is <laughs> I just or or money. or was it not fair enough nah, it's fair. just work yeah it's one of those things where like yeah when you when you work in an industry and yeah he he was a fairly integral part of the crypto world right you know between ftx and alameda i mean there were so many different things that he was involved in that he funded you know he was Right. Yeah, you can almost see like totemic, right? You know, lots of things rotated around the sample. So if you worked in the industry, right. you, you were pretty likely to come into contact with him, or certainly want contact with him, because you know he was a guy who made things happen. Mm. Um, you know, clearly he took that through into his fraud as well. I mean, he you know made a pretty good job, <laughs> a large scale fraud. <laughs> <laughs> He says an undercooking <laughs> Good, good job on the good job on the fraud, Simon. Uh, 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 Sam says Simon Jones. That'll be the clip. <laughs> <laughs> the old, the old said, yeah. go, big, go, go big or go home. Right? I think you, you definitely took that one to heart. Um, but uh, but no, in, all, in all seriousness, you know, it was uh, it was pretty bad. I don't think anybody really saw it coming because obviously people knew how successful certain things he'd been involved with had been. So, you know, I, I think whilst people may have suspected there could have been mistakes along the way of growing a business in the way that he did and that quickly, I don't think anybody suspected that, you know, he was stealing $12 billion to uh, keep the show on the road. <laughs> Jesus Christ. Anytime yeah. billion. $12 billion, yeah. bro. Yeah. Whoa. Okay. Yeah. No, I just knew it was a lot. It was. I knew that it was an amount of money that made it so that everybody knew that he stole money. We're <laughs> in an industry where people steal money. He got <laughs> to be the biggest. I just didn't know what it, what that number was. Yeah. Twelve, bi- 12 billion. Wow. Twelve billion dollars of customers' funds. Um. So yeah. Jesus it's. Uh, oh. Yeah. Ouch. <laughs> I really wish Ben was here this episode because he lost he lost money in, in FTX. He lost I think about like five grand. And, and, uh, I, and I, okay, gone. I lost I lost some money too. So you know we we're certainly on the same list there. Yeah, but but no no one feels bad for you, Simon. Let's let's be honest <laughs> with that with your posh accent and any mm-hmm. Englishman who's listening to this is like he'll be fine. It's gonna be fine. <laughs> I feel bad for you because I like you, but yeah. uh, you know. The, the boys down in Birmingham or Birmingham, they're not, uh, I don't know if they're going to shed a tear for you. Absolutely. So. I, I must say, I did, I did fail to shed a tear the other week. I had dinner with a guy I know down in Portugal who uh, picked me up and took me from my hotel to dinner in his Ferrari or two super fast. And over dinner, told me that he'd lost $110 million in the FTX claps. Um, Holy. Yeah. Wow. So like how what percent 110 million it's like absolutely nothing compared to the 12 billion right is yeah. that like 0.1% yeah. 1% what yeah. what is it 1% yeah <laughs> <I'd> say <laughs> <laughs> 
but uh, yeah. Oh my god, that's a lot. That's oh, a yeah. lot. That is huge. How did he? What was he like? How did he feel about it? Um. But this way, I mean, or what did he seem like? Yeah, I mean, it's money that he had that he lost. So you know, he's he's still alive, but obviously he's not uh, not happy. That's for sure. You know, I think you'd have to be a certain spectrum of wealth where you could afford to lose one hundred and ten million dollars and not notice it. I don't think he's there yet. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> what level of? I feel like I I feel like even at a billion dollars, I'd be like, hey, where did that? Hey guys, where did the one hundred and ten million? I put go, you know? Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Like I've washed money in my pants before. Right. And like, or, you know, one time I left money on a table and it was gone, but it was $25 and it ruined me for a day. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. It's not, I feel like 110 million is not just pocket change. Uh, but uh, but you know you know you you live in a different world than me. That's 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 for sure. Uh, I I'll ask you. I guess you know with with, the, with the recent drop. In... Um... <laughs> Pardon me. I said I did until the recent FTX. I said I did until the FTX collapse, and now now we're all equal. <laughs> no, I'm joking. That's right. But yeah, that's right. That's right. That's right. That's right. Yeah. No, I. Uh... I, I'm wondering with this recent drop from in crypto, uh, you know, from here on out, where where do you see where do you see things going? Like, will, will crypto still keep growing, or, or what are your thoughts? Yeah, you know, I, I think it, to me, I mean, I think it's a natural correction we're in right now, right? I, I think you know, there's certainly factors like you know, FTX, Celsius, Voyager, Galaxy, etc., blowing up. Have you know precipitated the market movements, but to some extent, I think for you know, people who it, don't know who those are, what what are those those Voyager, Genesis, Galaxy, etc. Some of the leading kind of crypto borrowing and lending platforms. Um, so you might have seen the stuff recently with the Linklevoss twins uh, of uh, not founding Facebook fame, uh, having a go at digital currency group who own Genesis, which has filed today, I believe, for insolvency. Yep. Um, and, you know, basically, I think from kind of June onwards last year, you had a kind of series of disruptions in the market where people who everyone assumed were really smart, uh, like Three Arrows Capital, um, you know, basically weren't very smart and lost billions of dollars with market corrections. And, um but I think to some extent, I, I actually think that the current situation we're in is that it's healthy because there was a period of time where any project that had kind of crypto, NFT, you know, Web3 gaming, any of these different kind of buzzwords, people were just throwing millions of dollars at it, right? You know, you could have come up with a deck for the most useless concept in history, but the right <laughs> buzzword, raised $20 million and then, uh, you know, gone and partied for the next two years which is what a lot of those projects did um <laughs> so i think now we can't do that anymore no not as much um so <laughs> yeah so now i think yeah but what we've seen in that time actually is some pretty big infrastructure jumps right yeah the actual underlying infrastructure mm-hmm. of blockchain 
you know, what's known as a layer one. So, you know, for people listening at home, a good example of a layer one would be it's like Ethereum, right? Uh, which most people have heard of or Solana or Near or, you know, any of those kind of platforms where those things have been massively developed. A lot of the infrastructure around them has been developed and that wouldn't have been possible without the last run in the market. But I think what you're going to see now is probably kind of a, a, a 12-month period where you get a bit of thinning in the market, meaning so you know, I think probably about 30% of all crypto NFT projects will effectively just, if they don't die in the next 12 months, they will just devalue so much that they're not really worth being there anymore. But a lot of the stuff that right. should have gone to die will go to die. Um, and hopefully it's a good lesson for VCs in this world that just throwing money at something that they think is hot and encouraging people to go out and build it uh, is actually a bad idea if there's no actual demand or no actual utility for it. Um, I was reading the tweets of a certain leading fund manager who's down only 90% this year, or last year, sorry, um, earlier. Can you say that name? Multicoin. Um oh, where they think the next okay. yeah, yeah. they think the next big thing is web three fashion. And you think to yourself, well, even I don't know really what that means. Um, what is web three fashion? <laughs> Am I gonna wear an NFT to go out for dinner? Right. I mean right. yeah, you know, what what's the actual right. use case stuff, right? So get, I get I a Gucci think bag what, for your for your kids' Roblox character. Or I guess, I, well, exactly. I don't know. I, I... Yeah, exactly. I mean, you know, for the wife and kids who don't have buzz. <laughs> now you can just pretend like you have a Gucci bag. And just to explain to you, Derek, so Roblox is this video okay. game. Uh, uh, yeah. And apparently, yeah, no, it's, it's kind of scary. You can scam people on it. <laughs> I mean, you probably could. Uh, but you know, you can. You can? You know that? Yeah. I mean, yeah, there are some ways that you can you can get into Roblox and scam people. I've I've listened to some inf- interesting <laughs> ideas of doing that. You can scam people with anything, right? If you can get a layer between you and them, <laughs> then you can take their money. Well, we I mean, that's dollars back. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, uh, it's it's. <laughs> It's rough. It's rough uh, for in the. I uh, thank God I didn't put any money in FTX. Like, uh, man, I, 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 me too. I, I'm. <laughs> yeah, I, uh, I bought all my Bitcoin uh, the old-fashioned way. Uh, yeah, I don't know. You know, it's it's interesting because like some people don't really understand how much money we're talking about, right? Like, it's just sitting there growing you know or is it just sitting there growing or can folks can the lay lay person even actually access it like when you sit talk to me about web3 fashion like like you right this is kind of a nebulous concept to me how does a normal person access that much like many other things in crypto absolutely or can they agree um i mean they can but you know i think that the um the reality of it is the model really for all this stuff has been you know, hype, right? It's been hype it up, get enough people interested, get people to buy in, 
And if you look at so many of these projects that you know are now falling by the wayside, it's it's generally been quite an interesting trend that what you get is kind of you know Western rich investors buying in very cheaply, pumping it up, and then you know when it goes to sell down and they pull their money out, the people left holding the baby are generally either retail investors uh, or people who are kind of completely disconnected from the markets, right? It's what's happened with a lot of learn and earn platforms, you know, kind of, you know, VC from LA makes millions, kid in, you know, Thailand loses half his life savings, right? And that's kind of not cool, really. Uh, It's not cool. It's interesting that, you know, talking about FTX, I had lunch back in December with, in Boston, uh, with a guy called Sam Reed. Um, Sam's the co-founder of BitMEX, which was one of the original exchanges and really Uh, nice guy. Really nice guy, actually, Sam. And um, he said to me something really interesting, which was, never trust an exchange that wasn't built by anyone who traded on Mt. Gox, right? So for anybody who doesn't know what Mt. Gox, <laughs> it, was, it, it was one of yeah, the... What is Mt. Gox? Mt. Gox is one of the original crypto exchanges. And it went bust okay. years ago because what happened was that they were, they'd left a back door in their system so their hot wallets, i.e. their exchange wallets, where people sent funds to were being slowly drained. So people were just taking okay. tokens out of it, right? And he was like, generally, if you look at the history of exchanges, anybody who traded on there or had interaction with that platform learned what not to do with a crypto platform. <laughs> so if you look at yeah. what came next, you know, they were the exchanges that generally were better. Um, I think it's quite an interesting life lesson when you look at that, because you think that it's still such an early industry, generally. Um, there are still issues that are trying to be solved, but actually there are some points that you can design out. So like, for example, those guys, what they did was they used to process manual withdrawals, um, which meant that wherever they were, the founders in the world, at one given point in time, they had made sure that two of them were always available to sign off every withdrawal. But that meant that they never lost funds and never got hacked because the obvious right. exploitations weren't there. Um, it also apparently meant that they had a vast amount of security when they were all together. But apart from that, you know. Um, but I think you know, it's a good lesson, actually, because when you actually look back at you know, a lot of the things that have happened, certainly in the last, say, 12 months, and you know, the names we referenced earlier, if you look back at the original kind of purpose of, of crypto and you know, read the you know, the white paper, Shatoshi's masterwork. Um, none of these things should have happened because no individual, no group of individuals should have that level of control on a project. Mm. You know, the whole idea was technology mm. design that out. And actually, when you look at every example of blow up, right, you can really, in my mind, and you know, some people will tell me I'm talking absolute nonsense here, and most people do tell me that most of the time. But actually, in my mind, these projects weren't really crypto projects. They were projects that just happened to be in crypto. You know, Celsius was just shadow banking. There was nothing crypto about it. It was just the fact they chose to lend against crypto. FTX was a crypto exchange, but it was also a fraud in the same way that someone could do that with your bank if there was no supervision, right? <laughs> it's not a unique thing to crypto. It's just a unique thing that, you know, you get bad actors if you're doing and they, they go into sectors like this and you, you look at an environment like the US where they really have not worked out how to regulate this stuff at all 
that you know you can always make an argument that this governments are facilitating this because they're not telling the good actors how they can actually do things and therefore of course they're not telling the bad actors what they can't do and that creates this kind of weird paradigm and and, and in some cases they're letting the bad actors uh sit in on the legislation and help shape and form the legislation that uh that that is meant to protect against the bad actors i still love those pictures of sbf on cap hill uh talking to congressmen that stuff is oh i don't know if you saw that derek but like I did. I didn't. I, it was actually when you said that they let bad actors sit in on legislation. It got really hard for me to follow where what <laughs> industry you were talking about, oil <laughs> or uh, tax processing. I think, think, uh, think there's a record to be held for crypto entrepreneur who spent the most time with the U.S. government. Sam may win that prize. He was but there all the I time, mean, dude. He was there all exactly. the time. What the frick? Every day, like there was there was a point. I don't remember. Maybe what... that was the problem. I mean, he's not running the exchange. He's visiting these people that don't know anything about crypto. <laughs> I mean, I, I mean, it could be honest. That's. I mean, I just remember a point where I was just looking up, and it was either I don't know if it was CNBC, it was something, and I was just like, "Is this dude up there? Like, what is he doing? What's going on here?" And I and I never dealt with FD, FDX, um, but it was just always odd to me that that guy. Like, I don't know. Uh, some some people. I have a friend who says never trust a man who uh, gives his money away uh, for free. I don't know if I that extreme, but I don't think I can trust a man who's not a congressman or a paid lobbyist who's there every single day, you know, mm -hmm. for months at a time. I feel like that guy I can look at with some suspicion. On the topic of like things not being crypto, what what would you call these things? Like, would you call them shit coins, or, or nah. what are your thoughts on shit coins? What would you what would you call them? I mean, I would call a lot of this stuff shadow banking slash fraud because that's what it is, right? I mean, it's not, you know. It, but I think in terms of shit coins, I mean, obviously, yeah, everyone loves a good shit coin. Um, I think there's a, there's a spectrum of shit coins. I mean, you've got whole coins, altcoins, and shit coins, right? There are the three right. kind of broad definitions. So your whole coins are your kind of, yeah, generally speaking, some people would argue that Bitcoin is the only whole coin. Other people would say that, you know, Bitcoin, Ethereum, you've got your altcoins, like your Salamas, your Nears, your Polymatic, your Matic, those kind of things, which are good. And then really, I suppose, you know, the definition of shitcoin is, is 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 really up to the yeah, to the individual user to apply, but um, probably anything outside the top couple of hundred projects could be classed as a shitcoin. Yeah, but um, the top hundred projects change every cycle, right? Mm, so, yeah. so what do you, what what's your what 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 do you think is a shitcoin? Uh, BNB. <laughs> <laughs> Ah, okay. We're taking shots. We're firing shots. BMB, uh, Derek is the. Uh, yeah, what is that? It is the. It is the. <laughs> it's the coin associated with Binance. Uh, mm -hmm. Binance 
uh, is a bit suspicious. How would you classify it? But what do you think of Binance, Simon? I I find them a bit suspicious. I I concur. I think it's the elephant in the room that nobody wants to confront right now. Um, but uh, I I you know. All I would say is that they put out. So when when FTX went down, there was this big kind of rush for all other exchanges to be like, "Hey, you know, we're not insolvent. We have reserves. We're one for one." Because obviously, with the exchange, if I put an asset there, it should still be there, um, yeah. and I should be able to show that I don't have these ridiculous liabilities. And uh, what Binance put out basically wasn't proof of liability, um, yeah. which. They must have known that. So you just wonder kind of why. And I think that's where it all all started. Um... So do you think this, okay, if you're talking about a scam, right? Uh, if somebody does that, like like the, the Nigerian prince email scam, it looks <laughs> shady because they want to weed out all the people that will cause problems for them. Yeah. And, this maybe does that anybody would notice that would be like i'm not going to go there and then they can just get just the bad uh, or the low information users could be yeah i mean look, I, I'm, not, I'm not saying that violence is a scam but i am saying that there's some big questions that you know i don't understand why they can't answer right and right. i think you know at the end of the day um you know, I think it all takes you down to that simple point, right? Which is, there's a very clear message in crypto, right? Not your keys, not your coins. And you'll see that repeatedly. And what that basically means is, you know, if you don't actually physically hold the asset in a place that's in your custody, yeah, and that could be in a non-custodial wallet, it could be a non-custodial mobile wallet, it could be a hardware wallet, like this one I've got here, which is my ledger, which um, is a, yeah, I can literally store crypto on here. Um, then, of course, you know, if, if it's not my keys, it's not my coins. So if I give somebody else my assets and their terms and conditions so that, you know, anything I send there is their property, right? Ultimately, right. you know, it, it's not only breaching one of the core principles of crypto, but it's also um, actually just bad practice. You know, if you want to get into crypto, the best piece of advice I can possibly give you is buy your own hardware wallet. Yeah, go out and pick up a ledger or a treasure device or any of the leading ones. They're reasonably straightforward to set up. But then everything that you own as such is is on this stick, right? Um, and you've got your backups to it, your seed phrases, you can access it through online linkage. Um, it's a little bit cumbersome to set up for the first time if you've not done it before. But actually, <laughs> the, the short-term pain is is worth it. Um, you yeah, because then basically that's mine. I own it. <laughs> yeah, no one can yeah. take that away. If your from wife, me. yeah, if your wife uh, divorces you, and uh, you didn't you didn't prenup up heavy, or get a good estate uh, set up, uh, you can always forget your password. You know, <laughs> not that I'm giving any suggestions to anyone out there. I'm just saying she might not. Memory is a fickle thing, Simon. And uh, yeah, like, <laughs> like, did you hear about that guy though? That who like who had like a bunch of Bitcoin in the U.S. 
got divorced and the authorities tried to cl- seize some of this, the, the Bitcoin to give to his wife. And he was just like, I don't know. I, I forgot. I forgot the password. I have no idea. I know, I know the, my favorite one of that was Michael Saylor, the um, guy from uh, Micro, uh, Micro Strategies at Micro. Yeah, Micro Strategies. Micro Strategies. Yep. Yep. Yeah, yeah. Who said that he was it lost his Bitcoin because he had fallen, <laughs> his wallet had fallen in the <laughs> off his yacht. And therefore, I think there was, there was some kind of tax implication to all of this, but his Bitcoin had fallen off his yacht into the sea. <laughs> It just, it was something like sixty million dollars worth of crypto or something he claimed to have lost in the sea. What's what's sixty million dollars between uh, friends and the ocean? You know what I mean? It's absolutely. It's, uh, yeah, it's so okay. So uh, I'm get, getting this not this like understanding of what your sort of thoughts on the crypto sphere is, but I don't think we ever actually introduced what it is you do. What do you do, Simon? Okay, so I'm CEO of uh, the XX Foundation, which is basically, we're building out a protocol. We um, are kind of moving a whole bunch of stuff on chain. So that means we're taking stuff out of the old world and putting it into the new world, the simplest explanation possible. Um, so a whole bunch of kind of decentralization around borrowing, lending, spending, uh, etc. We're working with some of the leading uh, platforms in the industry, such as Ledger, Tezos, One Inch, uh, Opera Crypto, Opera Browser, the wallet they're building. Nice. It's actually built on that stack. I saw, I, saw um, that. I saw that. Yeah. And then, kind of prior to this, I worked uh, on a few projects that were backed by Mr. Bankman Freed, which was uh, probably a whole podcast slash therapy session in itself. Um, <laughs> And then kind of, you know, original background was kind of VC finance. Um, so I was a VC fund manager for a bit for US endowment. And then um, prior to that, I was kind of in banking, mainly kind of telecom media technology focused. So, so and the ledger thing was pretty recently, if I recall as well, wasn't it? Or, or is this, have you, have you been? Uh, yeah, ledger was uh, the go live for the UK was June last year. Uh, Europe was Q four, so I think kind of yeah. October. Uh, yep. We will be bringing that into the US a little bit later in the year. Um, we're just kind of finalizing the launch plans as we speak. So basically, what's quite cool about that is going back to the point I made earlier about yeah, not your, not your coins, not your keys, not your coins. We're actually putting yeah. a non a Mastercard into the ledger suite, so it's a non custodial mobile wallet. So if you think about it in the purest sense, uh, basically means that you know, you link this to your card and you can go out and spend this on your card anywhere that MasterCard's accepted or Visa. Yeah, yeah. Mm. Are you are are and and that's I mean that's a big, it's not a it's not a minor, a- accomplishment. Um, I mean, all of this sounds kind of well. All of it is obviously non-trivial, but. The thing that kind of gets me, so I, I work in tech, uh, and I've discovered there are two types of people who uh, get crypto, uh, and then who don't get crypto, right? Um, old people, and then young people, and I haven't really found. Uh, I mean, obviously there's exceptions, right? My, I don't know how old Michael Saylor is, but 
you know, when you look at sort of the traditional finance world, um, there seems to be a lot of, uh, what's the word? Resentment towards crypto folks. Um, and I wonder sometimes, like, how are you, how are you able to promote the use of these technologies and, and block, block, just blockchain-based technologies in general in these, in these different industries and, and these, you know, in some cases, traditional industries that have been around for decades, almost 100, sometimes 100 plus years old? Yeah, it's, it's an interesting question. I mean, I think first and foremost, terminology, right? Weirdly, you know, yeah. if you go into a bank about crypto, they'll often run away. If you talk about blockchain, that's fine. Because they already have blockchain in their systems, right? Um, but yeah, you know, I, I liken this period a little bit to when I was a kid, right? Which was a long time ago now. Um, and I remember, you know, not that the, long, Simon. Stop that. I know. Stop. <laughs> Let's settle down with the, that. Back yeah. in the year two thousand, reading articles yeah. in certain newspapers that were predicting the death of the internet, right? Because, quote, not many people were using it, right? <laughs> yeah, and I feel I like that. Yeah, if you remember the days of kind of, you know, dial-up modems and, you know, kind yeah. of sounded like, yeah, sounded like someone was dying on the telephone uh, if you picked the phone up whilst you were kind of, you know, dialing in. Um, and I think, you know, we're, we're at that kind of stage right now where the utility is there, the technology is there, it's not necessarily as usable for the average person as it should be. However, you know, you can see that the next generation of projects will bring in stuff that kind of has a real improvement on what we already have on the World Wide Web, you know, Web, web 2 as it's commonly referred to. And I, I think we're kind of at that embryonic stage where people are trying different things, which is you know, generally quite exciting and seeing where the real benefits are. Because, you know, if you look back, the history of the internet you know mm. in the early days it was all about you know kind of being above governments it was kind of you know crypto punks it was napster was yes. available um pirate bay put locker etc everything was free everything was available and then that kind of got reined back but a lot of that philosophy actually you know went over into the early days of kind of cryptography actually it was all about how you created yes. these systems that were above governments that were global. And I think, you know, what you're going to see probably in Web3 is kind of a, an expansion of, of liberty and freedom, which is a good thing to talk about to an American, uh, where there's less um, central control. Um, yes. Yes. Yeah. yeah. So I think, we're, I think we're early, but I think it's exciting. I, 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 yeah, I, I, I'd agree with you. I mean, uh, it is a good, by the way, that is, it's funny that I'm guessing you've been in a lot of meetings and, uh, for you to come to that conclusion, I'm guessing with Americans, uh, they love themselves, uh, some Liberty, um, and in the right yeah. circumstances. Yeah. 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 So it doesn't like a woman's I, body for their rights or something like that. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Look, r rules are rules, Simon. Uh, so, you know. <laughs> what were you say, Tarek? Sorry. Oh, yeah. Just the, the whole liberty, freedom thing. I get really uncomfortable if somebody tells me about the freedom that I will get 
from something <laughs> because I know that that freedom means that people can steal from me or you know they can take my shit because I'm free. I'm uh, unprotected in any way. Uh, my liberty is to be taken advantage of. Exactly. It's the classic kind of, uh, you know, you have freedom of speech, but that doesn't mean you uh, don't have responsibility, right? <laughs> right. Exactly. Uh, right. Yeah. Yeah. But I think, I think just to go back to your question for a second, you know, it's really about um, breaking it down into the product layer and not talking about the technology saying, hey, this is the functionality, this is what it achieves. Because I think that's basically how you win, right? I mean, you didn't use Facebook because they talked right. to you about all different lines of code that powered it. You use Facebook because you could kind of get laid on there in the early days um, or find your old school girlfriend or whatever, right? Um, and that kind of worked. It brought people together that wanted to be brought together. It kept people apart who wanted to be kept apart. And I think, you know, it's, it's as basic as that. It's like, how do you actually build products that have better capability or better benefits to the user? Um, than using the traditional models, right? It's how you kind of distribute stuff to people, I think is the key. Well, well this, this leads me to a, a, an interesting question about sort of your own company. You know, how is it different from other platforms? Oh, or Derek, were you going to jump in? Sorry. No, no, no. Yeah. No, I'm, what make, I'm writing down. What makes this, you know, uh, backs different from other platforms? In, in the spirit of, of, I mean, what you just said, well, look, firstly, we're not, we're not going to steal anyone's money. Um, that's, that's always a good place to start. Um, you heard it here first, folks. Right. I love that. Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah, yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Not even $25. Um, I, think, um, <laughs> I think what makes us different is kind of, the interesting thing about us is that we're almost like a network, right? Because, you know, we are a B2B platform. So we work with other platforms and we provide services that they plug into. So we've got kind of, you know, Well, you're 30, B2B. Yeah, yeah, we're B2B oh, to C. That is, B2B that is B2B unique. B2B. Yeah. Yeah. So we're no, B2B but that's still so unique. Yeah. Yeah. So we're plugged into kind of 30 different underlying platforms. So actually, you know, you can kind of capture the benefit of being, you know, for example, a Ledger CL user, but you can capture that benefit on other platforms as well. Um, I think also, um, probably for us, it's the piece of how we kind of come together because. The team's kind of quite varied. So we've got a few TradFi people, but you, know, you need those guys because you okay. need to be able to make things work. Um, what are TradFi people? People who work for banks. Traditional finance? <laughs> exactly. Bing, bing. Did I get that one right? Nailed it. You did. Yeah. I'll send yes. you, I'll, I'll send you yeah, some yeah. BXF passing your crypto proficiency exam. <laughs> 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 um, and um, so that's um, that's the first piece. We've got some entrepreneurs. You've got some you know, general kind of blockchain people. And we've always kind of come at this from a philosophy of saying that, you know, how do you take friction out of a journey and how do you make the user experience better, yeah. i.e. more rewarding? I think that's probably the thing that kind of is out for us. And then because of how we build our customer base, you know, we don't have to go and spend you know, $100 million sponsoring an arena or putting ads on the Super Bowl to get customers, which means a lot of that kind of development. Not naming any names. Yeah, A lot of that can go back into you know, actual products, natural benefit. Um, so that, that's, mm. that's kind of part of the philosophy. And I think 
also to some extent we've kind of been quite lucky because there are a lot of people in our industry who do what we do you know we do borrowing lending you can earn you yeah. can do all these different things who everyone thought was super super smart and they weren't and now they're not around anymore and that kind of gives us the window of opportunity yeah. to really kind of show people how it should be done yeah yeah, yeah. i I, I, it's funny that you say that because that's kind of how I saw, because I was going to do some MEV stuff. Uh, for those of you who don't know what MEV is, uh, it, I'm a scoundrel uh, and go look it up. So, uh, yeah, I was going to look into to doing some MEV stuff after the, the huge FTX crash. So I was like, why not? You know, because a lot of those people are gone. I mean, most, I mean, like I, I, I keep track of the trends, right? Like, I know the way I keep track of, of how hot the market is, is not, you know, simply through liquidity, but I mean, obviously, right. It's through like a, a confluence of, of different things, of different factors. Uh, but the one, one of the things I, I definitely pay clo close attention to is who's talking about it. And, and I think we're, like you said, we're in that, we're, we're in the, uh, uh, it's time to build. It's time to it's time to uh, accumulate. You know what I mean? But maybe I'm wrong. I don't know. I think you're right. Um, I think it's a little bit like you. Know, you always kind of view these periods now like the year 2000, right? We had the you know, the dot com yep. bubble. Yep. Uh, at one point, you know, everyone was sold on the idea the internet was the future, and the dot com bubble. And if you had dot com in your name, you were worth 100 million dollars, right? And frankly, you know beyond the fact that a lot of these people got drunk and went to parties for two years and all the work got done. Um, and I, I still get big parallels between where we are now and, and that because you know, it's a sector because you look at it and think, well, in reality, what always happens in bubbles like that is that the the next generation of companies that win, you know, and I think back to the, you know, if you look at the dot-com bubble, you'd say, well, you know, companies like Amazon came not too long after that. Yeah, it comes like Facebook yep. came. Correct. Correct. And yeah. and actually, they couldn't have happened if it wasn't for the fact people had built the infrastructure because they're not bubble. No, that's that. So gone. We need to blame a lot of the problems on those people. What they? That's the butterfly wing. That is the hurricane of Amazon and Facebook, right now. Hmm. Absolutely. But yeah, if there hadn't been a dot-com bubble, there would, been, <laughs> there would have been no PayPal. If there'd been no PayPal, how would people at Amazon have started oh. accepting orders, right? <laughs> and then not PayPal, then there's no Elon Musk. Yeah. And there's no Twitter getting sunk. Hey, this is great. <laughs> I like tracing it back this way. Yeah. This, the, you, you're talking about it like a, like a basketball trade. Mm. Like if LeBron James doesn't move teams... Then this guy doesn't move here, and all this it all circles back around. It's great. Exactly. And I, we'll be able to billionaires having rocket races with each other now. You see, exactly. I, I, I some guy shot a dick into space. Yeah. Exactly. Well, <laughs> I think lots Jeff of Bezos, I think lots of blue, Jeff Bezos, oh, yeah. big big blue dick, would not have gone to space. Do you think his? Do you think Jeff Bezos' dick is blue? What do you think? I mean, it flies like a blue dick. It looks like a blue dick. Right. No, that's a fair counterpoint. 
I never thought of it that way. Yeah, uh, if it sounds if it sounds like a blue dick, it talks like a blue dick. It's probably a, a blue dick is what I've learned. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, 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 I think I think you're right. I think we're entering this new uh, era, and that's. Pre- I think it's funny that you say all this because I was thinking about this the other day. We're kind of in the prefaces, at least in terms of the the the, the annals of history. In terms of uh, of of a preface to something that might be much larger coming down, mm-hmm. right? This might be our pre-Amazon moment. Whatever Amazon is in in crypto, um, mm. although it might take some time, I think, to get there. Especially, you know, I mean, there's been all this talk about a recession this year. Uh, I think a lot of people are worried about it. Me personally. Um, you know, not financial advice. Uh, you know, I bought a, a BTC here and there, but I'm still kind of waiting, man. Um, mm. what, what are your thoughts on all this chatter? Uh, you know, do you think a recession is, is actually coming? And, you know, if one is coming, how bad do you think it'll be? Derek, do you want to tell Oh, yeah. Um, uh, you know, I don't think so. I think it's going to be um, a lot of hype for nothing. Okay, uh, sell, sell, yeah. guys, sell every. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> Jim Craver has entered the chat. <laughs> <laughs> just whatever, Derek. Derek's good at many things, but uh, when it comes to this, just do the opposite. You know, so right. Yeah. 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 I already yeah. told you I lost 25 bucks. I knew it was almost immediately. <laughs> and it was gone. I can't yeah. be trusted. Derek. I've lost 25. I can't. Yeah. Interesting. If you deposit that $25 oh, in FTX, you probably would have got some of it back eventually. Really? <laughs> yeah. Okay. Eventually. Exactly. <laughs> in the dollar back. <laughs> um, no, I, I think, do you know what? Like, it's, it's actually a really. It's a really difficult call, right? I think um, that's right. not financial, such that. Because you look at what's going on in the world right now, and you look at you know Ukraine, you look at the tensions in you know Asia over you know China and Taiwan and those kind of places. You think, well, you know, like any single one of those different conflicts or potential conflicts, I should say, could trigger a kind of you know massive fallout, right, in the economy, right? Um, but you know, I think it's going to happen right now is exactly this. I, I actually don't think we we're going to have a bad recession. I think we will have a recession. I think kind of COVID was an inevitability um, that there would then be a recession afterwards because there were a load of issues created by it and you've got all these supply chain problems, inflation problems, etc. Mm-hmm. But I think unfortunately, the, the sad thing about this is it's going to go back really to being the same situation that we had back in the credit crisis, right? where the people who are actually going to end up paying for this are actually the people who probably can't afford to pay for it. Um, yeah. You know, it's, it's not... Terrible. Exactly. So it's not... You know, people who have good jobs, people who have you know good pay, etc., are going to sit there and say, well, my bills have gone up a little bit this month. And it's like, wow, you know, what difference does that actually make to your life? Whereas people who are actually struggling to survive are going to be the ones who are actually really going to you know, really pay for this. Um, and I think... Uh, it's kind of suitably depressing. 
Um, but you know, to me, it feels like uh, you know, with a bit of inflation and interest rates going up, it's going to wash through. But there will be a, a few financial casualties along the way. But I, I don't think we're heading for a recession. And I think uh, you know, if you look at the stock markets, they kind of pumped, and then they yep. crashed, and now they're stabilizing again. And crypto's mirrored that. Other asset classes mirrored that. And you know, I just think and it's a risk asset. Yeah, yeah. Too. So watching that flow so, to risk assets has been interesting. Yeah, go on. Sorry, Simon. And I was going to say, so I think realistically, any asset that produces yield, you know, that, that is meaningful, that has an income derivable from it, somehow, will become more valuable than one that doesn't because we've got inflation. So yeah. I think as long as people kind of you know stick to the fairly basic fundamentals for a while, look at where T bills are trading, look at where interest rates are, look where inflation is, and say, well. Yeah, what 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 would I go and buy? And there's all kinds of different protocol scanners you can look at for fee attribution in crypto, uh, where you can say, well, actually, you know, if I had this, I'd earn that in my wallet from it. Um, I think that's actually probably an area where crypto does have advantages because, to some extent, like things like staking rewards, uh, which is where mm. you agree, basically, to not sell your crypto by putting it into a smart contract, a right, staking right. smart contract, for a period. You know, they were some of those were paying out at some point on things like USDC and USDT, kind of seven or eight percent, at the point that your bank account was paying you nothing. Um, so of course, no wonder they became so popular, right? Yeah, I mean, I, I think, uh, you're gone. No, just, just to answer your question, I suppose more succinctly, I think it's going to be a slightly painful year, but I don't think it's kind of a, a wholesale structural recession. I think it's more of some sectors, some places, some people will take a bit of pain. But overall, um, I think, you know, it, it, we're probably going to skirt a deep recession and just go into a kind of reset recession, which happens in theory, according to various economists, every seven years. <laughs> so you're saying that. Go on, go on, go on. That sounds that that was the like, that was exactly what an economist sounds like. Like that is that's the economist answer, right? I mean, yeah, and, and the key I don't know to what it, I meant by that, you have to just keep, <laughs> yeah, yeah, you just have to keep saying it all the time within every seven yep. years of your recession cycle, and then you can just wind back to any given date and say, Hey, seven years ago, I predicted this. I was right, yeah, I was right, yeah, yeah. I've actually been saying, no, I mean, well, seven years ago, I was saying. <laughs> Right, yeah. right. So I'm wondering now, like, is Powell somewhere just having like mind like blowing sex because he thinks he's going to be right this year? Just you know, like, honey, you know, this is. I think it's gonna. I think we're that soft landing is coming, uh, but not for you. <laughs> <laughs> it's gonna no. be anything but a soft landing, sweetheart. Uh, I think he's looking at Jeff Bezos's big blue penis and thinking mm. he needs to up the interest rates because of inflation. <laughs> Powell has been remarkably clear. He's been interested. It's interesting watching like this sort of the talk. If you don't know who, who we're talking about, uh, Jerome Powell uh, is the head of the Fed, uh, chair of the Federal Reserve, blah, blah, blah. Uh, and uh, I don't know. To me, he's been pretty remarkably. He's pretty straightforward. He kind of says what he's going to do and then he does it and people seem to play politics with what he says uh and the reason why they pay so close attention to what he says 
if you don't know why, is because uh, that determines interest rates. Uh, uh, and you know the, the reason why you're seeing prices uh, at the levels that they are, are because of you know the moves that that people like like well that like his organization uh, and Powell specifically is is making. So um, yeah, so 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 blame Powell. They'll blame Jerome Powell. Uh, if you're angry, yeah, that's why eggs are like eleven dollars an egg. Correct. Yes. Yeah. 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 Loving buy it. Right. It's not avian flu. What's that? I'm loving the fact that right now, COVID. not avian flu. Oh, sorry. Yeah. Sorry. <laughs> we ruined each other's jokes. Um, <laughs> <laughs> or improve them. That's, that's right. Um, exactly. Yeah. 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 I know the fact that right now there's probably some kind of Colin Powell tribute account getting a load of abuse on Twitter because of your comments, Buzz. Oh, absolutely. 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 And I can't wait. Come at me, bro. I'm going to be fine. Yeah. And we find you have a Jerome Powell. You have a Twitter dedicated to Jer Jerome Powell. You clearly don't go get any pussy. So this is going to be a cakewalk for me. Uh, yeah, I'm sure Colin Powell. You be watching out for people. Colin Powell. Yeah, yeah I, think, I think he meant, I think he meant Jerome Powell. I, I skirted yeah. past it, Derek. I assumed he meant oh. Jerome. No, I assumed I, he meant Jerome Powell. I, no, I was actually just trying to make a bad joke about you know whenever someone missed tags on uh, on Twitter. There's probably a whole bunch of people who are confusing their pals right, right now because there's only really two famous pals in the public life. Right? I mean, one of my friends, her sister, her sister is called Sinead O'Connor. And every time the singer Sinead O'Connor does something bad, her social media channels are just the best. Um, <laughs> but um, yeah, I think I think that there's going to be uh, the interesting is going to be um, if you look at kind of T bills, right? In, you know, which is yeah. U.S. Treasury. What are T bills? Right? Okay, U.S. Treasury bills. So U.S. government debt, right? And you look at the kind of yield mm -hmm. spike on those. Um, that really shot up last year, but now it's dipping a little bit, which suggests that maybe people think inflation is going to become you know, a little bit less of an issue. And also, I think what you're going to see probably in America, again, like you know, this year, is that household things like traditional household debts, like auto debt, etc., the default rates will go up quite high. Um, because, you know, there's a whole bunch of people driving around in their car that they can't actually afford to own, but they could afford it because the interest rate was reasonably What? Low. Americans? Yeah. What? I Buying know. things they couldn't afford. Oh, just the same in Europe, buddy. Um, yeah, you can get your Porsche for your $100,000 Porsche <laughs> for $2,000 a month, right? Um, Fine. And, that... Yeah, see, the dream is real. Um, but you, you look at that and you think to yourself, well, hang on, you know, what's going to happen is you're going to start to see a disconnect in the consumer debt market, i.e. default. And actually, if you look at kind of monetary policy in recent years, which is what people like Jerome Powell said, you know, they then start to get into this kind of cakewalk, right, where they've got to ensure financial stability. That's the other part of their mandate, right? So they've got to keep the dollar strong, they've got to have financial stability, etc. Then what they realize is, oh, you know what? Things are going to get worse here because the banks are going to start having to default or, you know, get a bailout or whatever because interest rates have gone up and therefore defaults go up. So I think you've probably seen that kind of uh, interest rate mechanism 
starting to slide out. And you might even see quantitative easing where Jay Powell decides to print money, come back if household debt gets that bad. Look out, Bitcoin boys. The music's about to start again. Yeah, no, yeah. Um, Because in theory, any whole asset at that point, you know, becomes worth a lot more. Um, So yeah, I, I think to me, yeah, overall, I'm 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 more optimistic now, weirdly, than I was last year, because mm. 2021, a lot of weird stuff happened that didn't make any sense to me, like companies like Peloton being valued at you know billions and billions of dollars for an exercise bike that talks to you, um, and Jeff Bezos's giant blue and people. a treadmill that eats kids, exactly. What what, what, um, what treadmill oh, eats Peloton, kids? They they had that. They have a treadmill that I just sent back that uh, it will kill children because it will pull them underneath it. Peloton does? Yeah. 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 That but like any, the any... price. <laughs> yeah, strangely <laughs> killing kids. <laughs> yeah. Um, but but it's a bit like, you know, you, you look at kind of like, you know, like the Chamax spats or SPACs or that stuff, which um, kind of all get huge and then went worthless, right? And yeah, there's a whole period in kind of 2000, 2001, where you thought, hey, what the hell is actually going on here? I think actually last year was really the correction where people went, you know what, this is just a treadmill that eats kids and therefore we probably don't want to own stock in it. Um, and that's why stock price went down 90 odd percent. So, and I think, yeah, the fact the markets have absorbed that and still continue to function and there's still money out there it's just that actually we're in a better place than some people think. Yeah, no, I, I, well, I mean, so go on. No recession is what you're saying. I think it was, we, was I right? If we, it'll be a light, if we have one, it'll be a light recession. So it's a classic answer, non answer. Um, <laughs> I'm hitting economics lectures at any university in America. <laughs> a true LSE, uh, graduate, uh, okay. All right. Well then let's, let's take it down. Uh, what do you guys say in your Harry Potter, Lord of the Rings universe? What would, what should the man on the omnibus do? If he's got a couple of coins, a couple of shekels, you know, in his pocket, what do you guys say? The man on the man of the what? Clapham omnibus. Clapham only. Is that why is it called Omnibus. the Clapham only? Omnibus. Oh, Clapham Omnibus. Yes, correct. Yes. All right. Yeah. All right. So um, so if let's presume he's having a good day, right? He might get some extra cheese on his pizza, right? Because he's been saving enough money uh for for a while now. What does he do with his money this year? Or does he does he stay on the sidelines? You know, I, I think, um, I mean, not, not financial. Or does advice. he put all, all, all that money into that? What was that? What was that uh, mining company? Black, BlackRock just bought that Bitcoin. Do you know what I'm talking about? Yeah. Um, the, yeah, I can't remember their name now, but yeah, the crypto miner. Um, yeah, yeah. Where do you put your money? I mean, that, that's the, the existential question in life, which frankly, if I was right, I wouldn't need to work. Um, but um, <laughs> kind of. Not financial advice, but I would say that um, 
Right now, I think, you know, you look at the market, you'd say you've got to go towards quality assets that you think are cheap, right? And I think that's the same for stock markets. I think that's the same for, you know, uh, crypto. It's the same for any asset class. You know, if you believed in Bitcoin when it was 60,000, then in theory, you should be a buyer at 20,000 because you should still believe in it, right? Um, Correct. In the same way that, you know, if you see your stock of your bank has gone down 50%, <laughs> In value and you still think it's a good bank why wouldn't you buy stock in it right so to me there's a market where you should do um what colloquially is called dca dollar cost average which means that basically you know you you say well look if i look at uh, you know, i believe in these assets i'm gonna invest in these assets for a period of time because i believe that they will grow and therefore you know i, I start buying now because it's cheaper and if i keep buying actually what i'm doing really now is netting down my average in price on the asset yeah yeah, yeah. there's there's, That's what there's truth to that i i mean i should have invested in monster i found that out the other day uh apparently uh, if you look at the smp for 10 years uh monster energy drink had a 100,000 percent return uh the problem is um i was a child uh, and did not own money uh but man if i did would have thrown all that money into Monster. Oh. I mean, I'm, I, by the way, this isn't a joke. Go look at the chart. It's hysterical. And I, yeah. I, I totally believe that. Have you, have you ever met anybody who drinks Monsters? Yes. You know it because they drink it all day. Like they're constantly <laughs> chugging Monster. I think my sister buys, I don't know, she buys them 24 cases every couple of days. Just she drinks it nonstop. It's just jet fuel. It's just jet fuel yeah. in a consumable format. I had a chemist, or my friend's a chemist, and she explained the breakdown. Like she she broke it down on a chemical level what happens to you as you drink one of these drinks. So uh uh yeah. No, go for it. Go for it. Uh I'm sure there's there'll be no repercussions. Okay, so uh you you you, you sidestepped the question. Uh and and gave a very uh who's the dude the money matters or what to do with your money guy frick's his name uh frick the guy who hates bitcoin uh so there's a lot of them the what's that jim kramer jim kramer <laughs> no the other guy uh who's like simple you only do simple things with money blah 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 uh what's his name warren buffett nailed it <laughs> Dave oh, Ramsey. Dave Ramsey. That's what it is. So you gave the Dave Ra Ramsey answer, right? Put your money in places that you believe in. Uh, or Warren Buffett, I think he says that too, right? Like put it in companies. I don't really pay attention to what Warren Buffett says. I don't think, you know, I, I'm not really sure what he's what, what he's done or what he's about. So uh, I figure it's best to ignore what he does. Um, you know, how how how... How how does someone navigate that sort of landscape? Like, the, it, it sounds like there's a bunch of things co complicating this this you know overall uh, landscape that it's really hard I think for for the layman to sort of distinguish. Like something you mentioned earlier, which I thought was interesting, was uh, how war affects all this. And I don't think the average person makes that connection between war and crypto. 
why would war uh, and why would inst political instability even, you know, uh, come to mind when when you when you discuss these things? Well, I think you have to look at the kind of natural flow of assets, right? So, if you assume that mm -hmm. you know most assets that come into crypto space come from fiat, right? Um, if you assume that you know you want to be able to convert assets out of crypto back into fiat at some point in the future, etc. And the simple reality of it is that you know, you say you go to war and gas prices go up a thousand percent, right? People don't feel rich, and therefore they're probably unlikely to speculate, right? I mean, let's be honest. Ninety-nine percent of speculation is built on the fact that people feel that they're rich, right? It's like the same thing when you go down to Miami, as I did last year, and you sit in the most overpriced restaurants and bars in America. I have no idea what you're talking about. Yeah. I'm pretty sure I saw you there. Uh, <laughs> with, with the crystal. Um, but, you know, the, the most overpriced bars and restaurants in America, um, you know, eating and drinking, $60, you know, $60 pastas and $200 bottles of wine, right? But there's right. lots of people doing it. And you think, well, who are these people? You know, like, I know there's money in America, um, but, you know, there isn't wall-to-wall -wall money everywhere, right? But and what you realize when you actually look at people is most of these people are people who have a decent income, but they feel relaxed about spending because, hey, even if they spend a little bit too much this month, they got next month's paycheck, or they can spread it on their credit card, or they can do whatever, right? And, and of course, once you go through that cycle of breaking that kind of consumer confidence, right? You know, mm. uh, and that can happen with any event of disruption, um, whether it be a war or, you know, black swan event, right? People don't feel mm. wealthy. I mean, if people don't feel wealthy, they don't want to speculate. You know, it's a bit like if I gave you $10,000 today, right, and said to you, there's $10,000 and you had no money before. And then I say, actually, you're going to get another $10,000 on the same day next month, right? Yeah, if you were to take those two different scenarios and say, what would you do if you had $10,000, you had no idea where the next $10,000 was coming from versus what you would do if you had $10,000 mm -hmm. and you knew you got $10,000 next month and look at your pattern of behavior and your spending. Yeah, they would be completely different. Right? Um, mm. And I think, you know, that's, that's, that's the key thing. When people start to lose confidence in the disruption, or even in some instances, you know, you get some very practical issues like uh, you may even have crypto traders or funds sat in those war zones. I mean, we certainly saw that in Ukraine, for example, in the early days yeah. of the um, barbaric Russian invasion of a, of a peaceful, innocent country. Um, there was some fairly big disruption in the industry because actually a lot of people that we, you know, we even had a team in Kiev ourselves, right? So you there did? was a period. Of, yeah, we had a service delivery unit in Kiev. Um, Jesus Christ. I had a, a, just a, Real quick, not to interrupt you, but I had a, I had a team of engineers in, in Kiev as well. So, anyways, go on. Yeah. No, absolutely, and yeah. So those kind of factors become pretty real, pretty fast, right? They yeah, they come at you pretty fast. And I would just say, by the way, on that point, our team in Ukraine were some of the most incredible people I've ever seen in my life. Yes. Right? I mean, we actually 100%. we actually had yeah. yeah we actually had people who signed up to fight right who were being sent away to do whatever they were doing. And then when they were coming off duty, they were doing their work. <laughs> I mean, I'm not being funny, but 
if I was, you know, in that situation myself, the last thing I'd be thinking about was working on my job. You know, it's yeah. incredible. Yeah. I, yeah. I, I, I got a story for you. I got it, but we're going to call him Greg because I don't want to give his real name. I remember we were uh, pair programming on a problem uh, for a client, one of our clients. And uh, I remember, I don't know if it was a mortar or something explode in the background. And I was like, hey, Greg, you want to go check that out? Like, you want to stop real quick and see what that was? And he's like, ah, don't worry about it. And then we just kept, he just kept going. And just kept working. <laughs> I don't know, man. They're made of different stuff over there, I guess. So, yeah. Yeah, it's incredible, isn't it? I mean, I was, uh, yeah, some of the stories we got. And I think, I think probably my favorite story was that a bunch of our guys who didn't actually work for us, they worked for a dev house, but we was a mm. you know, supplier was based over that. We're telling us stories about, you know, what do you get up to at the weekend? But, oh, yeah, we hacked a Russian oil refinery. Because they were working with the numbers, <laughs> so they were kind of like, you know, spending their weekends kind of, you know, trying to destroy Russian infrastructure, whilst uh, <laughs> they coming in on Monday morning and kind of proudly tell you that they've managed to like a train signal in that work the week at the weekend. <laughs> They're goddamn good engineers. They're no seriously, like if you like if anyone's watching this. Uh, Everyone always does for what's it called for actually I shouldn't reveal this, but whatever. Uh, people always get their their off off uh, shore workers in engineering in India. You're making a mistake. You're making yeah. a huge mistake. Uh, go to go to Eastern Europe, bro, or or some parts of Latin America. You're gonna get your. They just there's just a hunger and there's a proficiency there that is just. You, uh, not, not to speak ill of the, you know, offshore Indian, you know, firms. It's just, it's been a different experience for me personally. So something yeah. to consider. But it's really a friend yeah, of mine's so. company is called Star Global, right? And uh, their main operating mm -hmm. base uh, it was in Kiev. I think it's been a it's still there, but I think it's been a little bit more decentralized. But now, and he was saying to me, yeah, the interesting thing was that when they first set it up. They're based in Silicon Valley, but then their operating base was Ukraine. Um, was that if you look back at the history of the USSR, all of the space program and the rocket programs, everything were all actually based in Ukraine, which meant that you had the best technical universities and some of the brightest technical minds based in Ukraine. So when they went in, you know, they were hiring people who were kind of literal rocket scientists, right? <laughs> you know, to go and go. <laughs> Um, and of course, you know, that, that then became a thing because, you know, if you were an IT professional in Ukraine, you were earning five times more than your neighbor, which then of course meant that the next generation came along and thought, ah, that's the way of making money. Yeah. That's a good industry. It's a good job. So of course, weirdly, it's mm -hmm. kind of perpetuated on that cycle going all the way back to the USSR where, um, you know, it's just seen as a good industry. And it's it's actually really interesting about places like Ukraine and I've been there a little bit. And it's actually you know, how diverse it is. There's a lot of women who work in coding and engineering in, in Ukraine. It's not just men. Whereas if you look at you know Europe and America, there are too few women in in, in tech. In America, the the white women are doing fine. I'll I'll tell you that. In Ukraine, yeah, there are are a lot of uh, 
there are a lot of I, it's funny because you said there are a lot of women in ukraine and i was like i got tense for a little bit a little bit i was like i wonder where he's going with this one so uh, <laughs> i'm glad that we landed on there's a lot of female engineers it's like oh okay all right because i don't know what that is gonna <laughs> i was like <laughs> i know simon this isn't gonna go okay good uh yeah no there are, there's i have a girlfriend i get shot anything else about that <laughs> I, I don't have a girlfriend, but to quote the great Mitch Hedberg, uh, I do know a woman who'd be very upset if I said that. So uh, I get it. I totally get it. I, I, I'm curious how like, OK, so you're the CEO of this project. I don't know if you're like me. Uh, I fail all the time. I don't have a posh accent. First generation immigrant. I keep nailing on your posh accent. I know, but it's all out of love uh, and I will do so forever as for as long as I know you. Um, Thank you. And <laughs> it's my pleasure. Uh, so first generation immigrant, right? Um, I fail constantly. Um, I failed today. This morning, uh, I woke up on my face. Uh, so that's a, you know, right, right, right away, right? You know, that that's, that's uh, what the day is going to be like. Um, you know, I, I, I tried a bunch of different business endeavors and uh, some of them have, done okay a lot of them have not a lot of them have failed right and it's only recently i feel like i've started hitting my stride in certain things i'm curious especially in in, in industry like crypt like crypto where things are so volatile i mean i'm not gonna lie man I, you know my first cycle i i invested in dogecoin just i made a respectable amount on doge but it wasn't because i made some sort of calculated you know what i mean it wasn't there was no yeah. risk reward analysis it was just Hey, this seems like uh, uh, a funny thing. And then four years later, I, I see on Satoshi street bets that people going crazy and I wake up and look at my portfolio and it's like, okay, interesting. Uh, but like stuff like that is just, you know, it's just a coincidence and it's kind of reflective of the, the, the intrinsic sort of chaos of, of, of that industry. Like basically what I'm getting at is with that intrinsic chaos, where were you able to finally uh, find your footing? Or do, were you just one of those people who just was like, nah, I get it. And then just kind of pushed forward. Uh, yeah, it's a good question, right? And um, actually, it's interesting. One thing you said there is you, the key thing to that, what you said to me is you, you recognize your, your failure, right? In the sense that the fact you brought that up means you're cognizant of it, which actually a lot of people don't realize they failed in life, which actually, you know, sometimes when we make mistakes and we fail, regret is the greatest teacher right um but i think you know look there is no formula for it right i mean if you could write a formula to say hey this is how you achieve everything in life um everyone would do it and then it wouldn't work um i think you know kind of for us it's been a case of um really starting off with a very clear problem that we solved mm being lucky enough to partner with some really great names in our sector. Um, and also, you know, kind of being in the right place at the right time, you know, mm. uh, to be able yeah, to land those clients. Of it. Yeah, exactly. I mean, like, you know, for example, one of our biggest clients today referred someone to us who has the potential to be one of our biggest clients because we are the only people who've done certain things that we've done in our sector, like putting cards in non-custodial mm. wallets, for example for third parties interesting like um, wait say that again say that again that's important that's salient what'd you say one, 
one of the first people to put on chain spending with a non-custodial card in, in yeah, sorry, with a card in a non-custodial wallet. And why is that so, salient? Why it's salient is you're actually building a new payments network in the process because whilst you're using the MasterCard for the acceptance and the validation of the payment, the messaging and the transmission layer is all on chain. So in that case, it's on Solana. Um, so in theory, you're kind of behind the back end, you're redesigning a whole chunk of card scheme payments, which people don't really think about it, but just remember the fact that every time you pay anywhere in the world, Visa and MasterCard take a percentage of that. It's a yep. lot of money. I worked, I, I wrote the coding to some of those systems. I am very aware of that infrastructure. Yeah. Nice. Yeah. And it, it's actually quite bad and defective as well. I mean, you look at the 8583 messaging standards and everything else. It's just a joke. It's a little old. It's a little old. Yeah. One might say. Old. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so I think, you know, in terms of kind of how you navigate it in an industry, I mean, I think it's just the same as any other early stage industry, right? You've got to, you've got to back your bets and know when they're dead, right? And know which ones you, know, you should stay with. And I think, you know, probably trading crypto is similar to that, right? I mean, personally, I've never been an in and out trader in, this, in the market, right? And what do you yeah, mean? There are, well, what I mean by that is I've never been one of these people who buys something, watches it pump, sells it, you know, get back into <laughs> Cases, cases the bong coin or you know whatever it might be I, i've never done that and some people do that really really well but you know you have to sit mm. there and you have to look at effectively the height metric you know i.e how hard is this thing being pushed by people and right. therefore will more, will more people buy it right because generally the more wallets right. the hold something higher the value right um i've never been into that because i don't really have the time to do that <laughs> But I've always kind of looked at my projects from perspective and say, well, you know, what does this actually achieve? You know, I mean, mm -hmm. if I was going to trade something for a general barometer of confidence in crypto, it'd be you know, Bitcoin or Ethereum, right? You know, because yeah. that's the, generally speaking, you know, that is the market in terms of scale. Um, but, you know, I think like all these things, when it's so early, frankly, I mean, there's probably people at home who make more money trading crypto in the next three years than I will. And I work in the industry because they're just, right. you know, backing their bets and taking their shots and one or two of them will land. But, so but, but, but Simon, uh, yeah, I mean, and more power to them, to be honest with you, I can't, I mean, I, I've, I've had some great trades again, Dogecoin being one of them. Um, but that was, again, for me, I mean, it was just luck. I feel like, man, you know, I don't really, I don't know. I, I don't really look like, like I liked trading and I think it's an interesting science. Um, mm. I like it when it's reduced to uh, uh, algorithmically or when it's reduced, uh, when, when I can use maths to determine the likelihood of a trade, I'm, I feel much more confident because I don't, but, but to your point, I think there is something to be said. I think you're, what you're describing to me essentially is the the the, uh, the approach of a fundamentals trader, which is also very pretty. I mean, I think that's a solid approach. Uh, asking questions like, "Hey, uh, will people buy this?" <laughs> is pro is probably a really good question, right? And Will this, you know, will this actually actually work? Who's getting, where's, you know, this money coming from? But, but my, what I'm more curious is, is to 
and maybe you're 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 dodging this question on purpose, but I'm curious what you had to go through and what your story is like and how hard that's been or if it hasn't been hard or how long that's been. Um in life or in the last few years? Just or in just the, the crypto industry. I mean in life you could go into life if you want to get go into it, yeah. I would say I've been reasonably lucky, right? Because I mean, I, I've been in crypto since about 2013, right? That was when I started buying. Some oh wow! Things, right. Um, some nice. of which are yeah. probably worthless, and I don't even know if they exist anymore. Others of which are, you know, slightly more interesting. Um, and overall, I've been pretty lucky. I have lost some money on different things. Um, were you in, Were you in Gox? I had a little bit in Gox, yeah. Um, you poor thing. Okay, so that's yeah. it. Okay, gotcha. Um, so I had some stuff in Gox, but uh, it was actually all stuff we mined. Uh, going back to your MEV point earlier. Wow. Um, but um, yeah, um, but then yeah, in terms of like professionally, I was actually kind of you know really kind of bought into the industry by being asked if I wanted to be in the industry. You know by people so my mm. before i was managing fund i was a it kind of running an early stage kind of fintech funds so investing in kind of you know all things kind of payments and peripheral so you know cyber security the work identity. i do yeah yeah exactly yeah, yeah. All, the, all god's work god's work as i call it right um <laughs> <laughs> i'm dying on the inside yeah no yeah <laughs> that's and, so funny. um and a lot of a lot of kind of what I saw is there were a lot of people kind of coming into that space who would kind of reach out to someone like me because you know reasonably lucky in the sense that you know when you manage a portfolio of assets you understand enough about everything that you kind of know how to get stuff done um, without really knowing how to do anything particularly well um, and kind of you know struggling with these very particular challenges right and you know you kind of solve a few of them for them and then suddenly they're like hey do you want to come and work here. Um, and that was kind of, you know, how it happened. And fortunately enough for me, those companies have raised quite a lot of money, but I mean, you know, I lost quite a bit of money. I was, um, head of strategy for an interesting project called Oxygen Map, oh, it was Oxygen Maps, which was backed by SPF actually. And so that's, you know, run down in value significantly. Um, but, you know, I think you just have to take a view on life of saying that, you know, at the end of the day, you know, Going back to what I said before, you got to back your bets, right? It's the same thing if you go and work for a startup and they give you the magic equity prize and then you know, your salary plus your equity. And who knows, that equity could be worth millions of dollars one day or it could be worth nothing, right? But yeah, if you think it's a good thing to do, then you do it. And interesting. Uh, interesting. Okay, I have one question. Right. How, if, if, for somebody like me, this sounds a lot like a casino and each one of these coins is a game and that game is going to either make you super rich or it's going to wipe you out. Mm -hmm. Why am I wrong? Uh, well, I mean, if you're not trading with leverage, you shouldn't be wiped out. Right. I mean, 90% of leverage traders lose. Okay. Right. Um, All right. But yeah, I think, um, just it's just like anything right yeah do, do your research go early i mean funny enough i said something the other day yeah if i put a thousand dollars in every project that i'd seen at seed stage you know in terms of first sale of token and i'd done that i put it is this pre-whitelist 
Is this wait? Is this pre? Yeah. Okay. All right. Yeah. But if I literally put a thousand dollars in every token project that I saw, you know, day one, and just bought yeah a thousand dollars worth of token at the cheapest price, I'd have a lot more money than I've actually made out of my crypto trading. Um. So I think I think. So it's, how do you? Sorry. How do you get to do that? Um, get close to crypto projects. I mean, that that's the All one. Right. That's the one thing I should say about this industry. A lot of people kind of, you know, get a little bit distracted. I mean, generally speaking, like, you know, you, you take the hype out of it and you take the crypto and you take, you know, all this noise, right? Most projects start with a bunch of girls and guys somewhere working out of a bedroom with a dream. Let's be honest. Usually and guys. Yeah. Usually guys who don't have girls yeah. and are hoping Correct. to make enough money to speak to girls, right? Bingo. Have girls speak back. Yeah. Um, Andy Perry still wouldn't talk to me, by the way. Um, that's a Humble story. brag. I'll tell you, I will tell you that story in a minute. Actually, it was quite funny. Um, oh, but, um, but they, like, you know, it's one of those things where it's generally just like, you know, reach out to early stage founders and, you know, look at different things and find different projects and, you know, just ask these guys a few questions. Most of them will be delighted that you asked them a question because they spend all day with no one really being that interested in what they do. And, and one or two uh, of those may become big. I, I, you can ask Simon, I'm sorry to interrupt. Simon, you're nice. You're a good person to ask questions. I don't know if everybody's a good person in, in first off, this world is very, I mean, most of this world is avatars and Twitter accounts, at least in my the circles that I run in online. So it's hard to decipher whom you're actually speaking to. But secondly, man, if you find yourself talking to a Bitcoin maxi and if you uh, aren't one, uh, it's, it's, it's going to be rough. You're in for some rough waters. But I, overall, I think your advice is good. I just think it might take more than a couple before you find your Simon. You know what I mean? I mean, yeah, and hopefully you won't find me because, you know, yeah, okay. um, no, but I mean, the thing is, <laughs> no, but the, the thing is, generally, like, yeah, the Bitcoin Maxi guys, I mean, they're great, but the world's moving beyond those guys a little bit and they don't like it. Um, it was, it was really funny. I did a, I was asked to do a talk about, um, stable coins and, uh, CBDC, central bank digital currencies at BTC Miami, right? One of the fringe events. Were you at BTC was, Miami this year or last year? I was. Yeah, I okay. was. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah, we co-hosted the Solana stuff down in Wynwood, actually. Um, That's right. I saw but, pictures. Yeah, 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 yeah. 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 Um, but that was so funny because it was like, yeah, I went on after a bunch of proper Bitcoin maxis who'd been screaming about the government into microphones for 20 minutes. And obviously, we started talking <laughs> about you know, how you know into the real world. And it's fair to say it wasn't the right audience. Um, but just, just you know, going back to the Katy Perry uh, story for a second. So I was in, um, this is going to sound very humble brag, but I'm going to do it anyway because I, I find it. No, go for easy. it. But, so I was in, uh, I was with uh, Anatoly, the founder of Solana, who FYI is, if you get to meet him, one of the nicest, most straightforward guys in crypto, right? He's a really good guy. He'll, chat, he'll walk around conferences, he'll walk around hacker houses, he'll chat to anybody. He's, he's a good guy, Tolly. And uh, we have one of those classic moments where we're at this uh, kind of VIP thing. I don't know how I got invited. They must have made a mistake on the guest list. Let's um, settle down. Yeah. 
And it, we have one of those kind of classic moments where me and Tolly went to say hi to Katy Perry because we know who she is, but Katy Perry point blank ignored us because she had no idea who we were. <laughs> right. <laughs> it was like, hey, she just kind of looked at us and then looked away and then carried on talking to someone else. Like, Cheers, Katie. Nice to meet you. <laughs> Great first impression. Yeah. 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 Although I am told that if you can find the uh, unredacted Orlando Bloom on a surfboard pictures, you can maybe understand why she's not so happy. <laughs> I don't I don't know why. OK, so I what's the word? Uh, I don't get out much. What's what's wrong with our what's what's the deal with Orlando Bloom and Katy Perry? What, what what's the issue? Well, there are a couple, but there's kind of a, he did um he did a strange thing where he went surfboarding with Katy Perry on his surfboard, and he was completely naked, uh, like full frontal why naked. Why did you do that? Why? Uh, why? I, why? I, I assume he wanted attention, or or he lost a bet somewhere. <laughs> Wait, yeah, she was I just don't get that. That yeah. uh, surfing in general just seems like a very, um, very dangerous sport to be doing with no protection across the genital area whatsoever. You're thrown into water. You don't know what's under there. You also have a sh- surfboard. Butt cheeks are open. This sounds very dangerous. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And you got why there as well? Yeah. Why should we? So she's on the board with him. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, he's paddle. He's he's on the board, completely naked with a like a little why? paddle, and she's under the board. Yeah, yeah. But why? I I I mean, I, I really hate it's a great story. Like you know, he lost a bet to Leonardo DiCaprio on who Pete Davidson was going to date next or something. Um, but you know, that would be awesome. That would, that, that would be. I, I want to see that movie. <laughs> I would like to see that. <laughs> I have a, I have a, I have a question because you've, you've, okay, you've, you've got this vision and you've got this mission uh, for your project. Uh, mm-hmm. I mean, what, what makes it? What's the, what's the distinguishing factor here? Uh, like, are there other projects like it? When, why, why should I? You know, if, if I see money, I mean, you know, if I've got an extra, you know, fifty grand lying around, why would I put it in? in in backs. I know that's a drop in the bucket for you, but for to us complete commoners, right? That's that's money. So I think it's um I think it's, it's about multiple things, right? And I think what what's really interesting for us is that as we've built, we kind of yeah, we we're expanding, right? So for for example, and I'll give you a really good example, it's one of the key things that a lot of our clients just remember the fact that if you're, if you're looking at our protocol, it's all about attribution fee, right? That's the whole principle of it. You know, if you are a token holder, you share in the fees, right, that we generate. Okay, that's the first mm. point. It's, okay. it's basically the same thing. At the end of the day, there has to be a real-world use case for this. So every time someone goes and spends on their car, anyone who owns the token gets a, a fractional interest in what we receive from that payment. But I think the second part to that is that you look at, kind of, you know, the verticals that we then get into. So, for example, one of the things we're going to be doing this year is bringing in a lot more trading, right, you know, derivatives and spot trading, so that you Uh-oh. can... But we'll be, we'll, be, we'll, be, we'll be embedding those across a bunch of different platforms, you see. But we're also yes. building out our own DDID standards, decentralized digital identity, right? Because actually one of the weird things that a lot of people like Ledger have realized, and I, I go back to Ledger, actually, because I think, Lonely is Ledger. I, li- I like business. Ledger. 
yeah, yeah. yeah. I like Ledger. Not only is Ledger a great business, but it's also businesses kind of evolved, right? And you look at some of the pain points, the friction points they have. Like they're trying to make you know Ledger the kind of all things of everything of crypto, and that you know you should keep your assets in your hardware wallet, which is non-custodial, uh, and then you should be able to do all kinds of things from there. Then you hit these really real problems, like for example, every integration you put in, um, you have to KYC users for it, which makes it slow and clunky. You know, the whole I've got to stick a copy of my passport, my driving bill, and my firstborn child, uh, you know, on a scan to them, right? Um, whereas you know, someone like us, we've KYC more Ledger users than anybody. So of course, we then become the obvious people to build those uh, digital identity products because we've already verified the user, you see. So there's all kinds of layers and strands to our model where we almost kind of end up going full stack, right? And then you take, you say, looking at that design philosophy of how you reduce friction, you know, it's how you get to certainty, how you get to certainty of execution. Um, and also like with our rewards products, which we're building. So there's a whole bunch of income out there, you know, which comes from a transaction, right? And it kind of starts off with the most basic thing, which is kind of card interchange, which, you know, so like America, you know, it'd be two or three percent of merchants paying a checkout, right? Mm. And a chunk of that goes back to the issuer with the issuer. But then there's, you know, affiliate income, which is basically when you take a basket to a retailer online and they pay you for it, or you take a, you issue a certain card that uses a certain place and the retailer agrees to pay you for it as part of a marketing campaign, right? And traditionally, they, that income very rarely makes its way back to the consumer. So what we said was, well, look, let's disintermediate this all. Let's actually just give that income back to the consumer. Let's go and generate that. Oh, well. so that uh, USDC. Um, Interesting. Yeah. yeah. Interesting. Straightforward, straightforward rewards, right? Um, but then that also means that your customer base transitions from being a customer to being an owner. Right. And they become part of something, right? They become part of this network. They've got a little bit of real estate. And that's really the philosophy that we built with kind of how can you get to a point where you've got you know, millions of monthly active users generating income and an element of that is pool. But most importantly, it's, you know, the reality of it is though, and this is the key differentiator, that is real world income that's flowing mm -hmm. through the protocol that someone else is paying for. And that someone else could be Walmart or it could be Amazon or it could be, you know, whoever, you know, wherever you can transact. Um, as opposed to kind of, you know, this idea of, you know, for example, like crypto.com who just yeah, minted a token and gave it away free to people who use cards and then wondered why that model How much of that is backed? Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. So it's about how you back so something. Um, yeah. So why 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 be generous? What's what's the catch here? I'm I'm just a plebe on the street. Why the hell are you giving me this money, man? What are you going to do to me? <laughs> Very simple. Um, look, the simple reality is we want to. I, I I personally don't believe, and this is you know philosophically me speaking here, not not necessarily the views of my employer. I should add um, for the regulator. <laughs> you um, are your employer. <laughs> <laughs> yeah yeah yeah. Um, but I, I, I would say, I, I think like if you look at if you look at, if you look at a bank, right? The reason that you had a bank was because people looked for houses to get robbed, right? So they keep the money in the house, they kept it somewhere safe, right? But now in reality, you know, banks have been replaced by technology. Very few people go to a branch. Very few people handle cash. 
most people it's a, it's a click or a button or a push or a number on a screen, right? And to me, a lot of the kind of, you know, the original reasons why you went to a bank become irrelevant. And you say, well, actually, you know what? If I can be my own bank, because I have custody of my own assets digitally, I can spend those assets where I want to spend them in a way that I'm comfortable with spending them. And I can do all kinds of different things with them. Why okay. wouldn't that be my own bank? You yeah. see, the point to that is, how do I incentivize you to say, use this as one of your primaries, mm. right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And the answer to that, of course, is you've got to give the user the benefit of becoming self-custodian, right? So if you think about the model, right, in reality, it's like saying, hey, Baz, you're your own bank. You're going to this retailer. And because you chose to be your own bank and you chose to go to this retailer, you're getting something back that you wouldn't have got had you gone with your own bank or your traditional mm -hmm. bank. And, yeah. and, and blockchain makes that possible. You know, we, we said kind of in the early days of how we designed, we, we looked at kind of you know, how you incentivize switching, right? And you think, well, most people have already got a cashback card. And they don't really care about them because 1% yep. back $3 doesn't change many people. It doesn't change lives, right? Most people have already got an Amex card, which is a good example, actually, of what works because you can do stuff with the points, right? If they, you know, that. interesting. This is really but, interesting. But in reality, you know, Beyond that, how do you kind of create a more rewarding user journey using technology? So one of the earliest use cases we looked at was kind of, let's say that you know, Baz and Derek walk into a Nike store and they both go and buy a... That would never happen. Nike. But yes, right. yes. <laughs> they, both go, they both go and buy a yeah, Jordan 92 collection item, right? Sure. Now, you see, the, the thing is, if you, you pay for that traditional instrument, no one knows... Nike don't actually know who you are unless you choose to leave your details, right? So let's say you've got two people that check out next to each other, one with a non-custodial wallet and one without, one with a traditional account. What we wanted to create was this kind of view of, hey, you could get an airdrop of something at checkout that was meaningful to you, right? As you, because you chose that non-custodial wallet. So let's say, for example, you shop in, I don't know, pick a store from me, your favorite clothing store, Baz. I'm an uh, Old Navy. I'm an engineer. <laughs> Nailed it. I'm an I'm an engineer. I dress like a homeless man. I was once not let into my own building because the uh, doorman didn't believe I lived there. So just to give you an idea of where <laughs> how I dress. So okay. uh, uh, let's let's go with uh, how about this? Uh, my favorite. Uh, what do I buy? Let's say video. I, I don't even buy video games. What do I buy? Uh, my favorite health foods health food store health food yeah. store. Right. There you go. Okay. So let's say that, for example, you, know, you go to this health food store every day for a year, right? And actually, you're a regular customer. Now, if I know that, and I can find that by reading the data under your wallet, I don't have to take your personal information for that, right? There's no reason why I can't identify you as someone who goes there all the time. And say, for example, you go to check out, you swipe your card. You, yeah, Interesting. Whatever. And actually, it's free. Because you know what? You use this product enough. I've got an algorithm. I've worked out you've generated some income. You know, your checkout's free because you're a regular customer. But, you know, it's those kind of experiences where you look at it and say, hang on, you know, you've got a little notification pop up on your phone. This one's on us. Thank you. <laughs> right. And, that's great. And, and that's kind of actually cool. Yeah, I'd like that. You know what I mean? Because you wouldn't get that experience with a traditional finance business, right? They just can't you, you do wouldn't it. Even get I mean, I mean you, right. you you wouldn't even get that with industries adjacent to. I mean, I like I was thinking, is this Lolly? 
is this different from and now it's like okay no this is a this is kind of like it's it's that sphere but it's very different um so that's interesting because yeah. that, that's what yeah. was bothering me in the beginning i was like what's 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 the what differentiates this and you got to it so yeah, yeah. now see so how do you set up how do you set up a non-custodial wallet i mean that's just how or should i uh non-custodial wallet uh by by a ledger uh by yeah. a, okay yeah just by a ledger i mean i could show you uh how to do it it's really i mean go to amazon.com i mean these things have gotten like let me l- look right now real quick how much uh okay non-custodial wallet i guess i was gonna ask like uh, so use this uh you sign up with the thing you're talking about if i go to a bank normally if i set an open account then they hand me the checkbook or they yeah. they hand me the the card yeah. uh, do you guys do something like that yeah yeah i mean actually or, yeah oh. so we can, we can if you look at like ledger cl which i admit isn't live in the us yet so you're struggling to see it but i can actually issue you a virtual card as you sign up that you can link to apple pay or google pay immediately and you can use the card within minutes so oh that's awesome yeah okay yeah. that that makes it really convenient for me yeah because so what we normally do is we issue a virtual card and then we send you a physical version of the virtual card later through the post. But yeah, oh, that's, that's smart. You're sm- you really were in fintech. Yeah, that is a fintech <laughs> yeah. move. No, that's a fintech yeah. move. That's smart. Yeah. So when are you hiring? Uh, I'm just kidding. Everyone, everyone, <laughs> everyone's everyone's welcome. Uh, just just turn up. Um, no, we are we are hiring at the moment. We just actually hired some guys in from Kadelski. Um, on the blockchain side, wow. um, but at the moment we're mainly working on the kind of mid layer of how we build the kind of machine logic right. around this, so that we can right. kind of start to say. So we're reading real data at the moment to better inform our algos, right? Uh, but what we're really looking at is kind of patterns, trying to identify patterns, so that you know, how do I identify the fact that you might support a particular sports team or drink a certain drink or whatever, right? So there's a bit um, of AI here. It sounds like, yeah, yeah, or that's at least the next predictive phase. analysis. Yeah, yeah. Yes, we're using predictive analysis now, and then we're trying to move that towards more AI. But I think we'll probably do the AI piece quite slowly because there's a kind of significant danger they end up kind of airdropping. Yeah, 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 I don't want to airdrop you kind of NFT for ladies' underwear and get you in trouble with your wife <laughs> if she ever changes your phone. Um, or kind of yeah, making sure that I'm not giving girls kind of you know boys football right. boots as, right. a, as a reward. Right, right. Um, so, but yeah, the same. So, so, uh, yeah, I want to continue this conversation, but I have to go. I have to go soon. But I did have one last question, and I wish I could continue this conversation because it is really, really interesting uh, mm-hmm. to crypto nerds. Uh, Derek, yeah. that was hilarious. Are there any projects uh, you're thinking about? Uh, at least when it comes to you, the use of crypto, uh, like I don't know, like having a digital wallet or something. Like, are there are there projects that kind of have more tangible uh, qualities that might be more apparent to the day to day user? You know what I mean? Yeah. See, the one I really like at the moment actually uh, is a company called Squirrel Wallet, right? So what they've done is they've done away with seed phrases. Now, seed phrases, as people don't know, when you download a non-custodial wallet, you often get this list of kind of 15 different words that you have to right. remember to uh, take care of, right? Uh, and most people lose them. And then when they 
download a new phone, they lose their wallet, right? Uh, so they've replaced it with guardians so that you can actually have three or four people who can validate you as you. And they've also built what's kind of an automated cross-chain wallet. So effectively what that means, and I'm talking in layman's terms here, what that means really is that if you send money to the wrong blockchain, which is a classic thing, you can try and send BNB to Ethereum, they lose it. So they've actually worked out a system where you can effectively stop that happening. Um, That's and amazing. Really cool functionality underneath that. Yeah. So it's called Squirrel Wallet. I really like that. And the I think their token is kind of, you know, in private sales, which maybe going to public sale one soon. So I keep an eye on that. Yeah. And just to explain to you, uh, to anyone who's, who's, who's listening, like that's a big problem. People do that all the time. People send their Ethereum to uh, like a Bitcoin address. And when that happens, it's done. You don't get that money back. Let's say you sent a quarter million in, in, in Ethereum to a Bitcoin address. You don't get that money back. But if this actually... That, yeah, go on. That's my favorite thing about... Um, okay, so in the real world, I send it to the wrong address. It still exists someplace. Right. But with computers, they send it. They say it's, it was sent here and there is nothing there. Right. And now it is gone. <laughs> well, it's, it's, it went into the nothing. That's actually a good question. I don't know because I'm going to have to, maybe we'll get Mahmood on here. He's a crypto, he's a cryptography specialist at Amazon. Um, and he can explain. He breaks codes? He has like four patents on him and he is, uh, he graduated from Princeton when he was 15. So he, okay. but he's also very fun. Th thank you so much. We're going to have to do a part two. Uh, just because I, okay. I'm really fascinated by your business. Uh, but I also know you're insanely busy. busy uh, but we'll figure something out. Uh, and uh, no, thank you so much for, for, for joining us and answering some of these questions. And uh, actually getting into the technical details because most people um, don't like to do that. <laughs> uh, uh, and uh, when they get pressed on it, uh, they, you know. They just, uh, they get upset. So I appreciate your patience with us on that one. No, absolutely. Um, it's, yeah, it's always good. I might actually be in the same city as you may or may not be in uh, the first week of March, actually. So maybe we could do does it. Does it rhyme with Schmalumbia? Does it remind, does it rhyme with Schmalumbia? Might be too far yeah. from that. Yeah. Okay. So, okay. Yeah. All right. Let's do it, man. Right. Let's keep in touch. Awesome. Thank you so much. Thank you, guys. Lovely to meet you, Derek. Yeah. By the way, yeah. That, go on. Awesome to meet you. Thanks for the info. Do you want That's people? Safe. Nah, you don't. You want to keep. I know how you are. You're secretive. We're not gonna. We'll just say. Si if you want to check out Simon's work, go to what's the website, Simon? Um, that's <laughs> probably is uh, just type in Ledger CL cards into Google. That's the okay. Best one. Uh, that's and check the out best. the banks. Check, check out banks. the bank's medium. It, it's pretty good, actually. It explains a lot of their stuff. Yeah. Or banks.com. So. But yeah, banks.com is more of a kind of B2B site. But yeah, for the retail side, look at, look at Ledger, CL, or Tezos CL. Um, yeah. Uh, C for Columbia, L for Ledger, um, which are you know, two of our consumer facing sites. Um, and yeah, good luck. Thanks for uh, You'll guys. hear. Thanks so much, buddy. You'll hear from me soon and uh, wishing you no nothing but love and success. And it's been awesome watching, watching your journey from afar.